there. Welcome to the Collide Podcast. This is Willow Weston, the founder and director of Collide, and I'm so glad that you are hanging out with me today. I love that I get to hear all of these people's stories who are experiencing real-life collisions with Jesus that are changing their lives. And God is alive and well. He is speaking. He is moving. He is empowering. He has a plan for you, friend. He wants to meet you where you're at and give you a sense of hope and encouragement. He wants to refresh you, and He wants to use you to do amazing things in this world. And so keep coming back here every single week, and I promise you that you will hear stories that will invite you to collide with this Jesus who has has big plans for your life. I got to interview today Sierra Lane Meyer. She's the author of a book called Glasses Off, Seeking God When Your Vision is Gone. And we got to talk about the struggle for some people on feeling a sense of calling and purpose and wondering what God's vision is for their lives. So if that's you or you have a loved one or a friend who you— um, um, can encourage listen to this interview with author Sierra Lane Myers. Sierra, it's so good to have you on. We really worked hard for this because we ran into all sorts of things leading up. So I appreciate your grace and patience with me and us. I'm not the most techie person, but uh, find it humorous that the Lord would call me to host a podcast. Anyhow, so good to have you on. Thank you. You did great. I'm happy to be here. Oh, you're very sweet. It's fun to talk to a Texan girl. Have you always lived in Texas? I have, yeah. I was actually born on a little ranch, um, two hours of where I live now, two hours south. So I live in a suburb now, but I grew up in the country. Yeah, that's so cool. You said you kind of live outside of Dallas, and I, I mean, we're up in the Pacific Northwest, so people always say, like, everything's bigger in Texas. Is that true? I think so. I mean, I know definitely the food portions are. We <laughs> like to eat down here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, my husband and I were just talking about doing a road trip to Texas, hitting up Waco, going to Austin. And then I think I told you before we were on air that I Christmas in Dallas is apparently cool. So I'm going to have to come down. Maybe I can stop by and say hi to you. But so glad you're on. You love helping people find their purpose. I would love to just start with what has happened or occurred in your story that has given you a passion to do that? So I never really had my thing, you know, and my husband always knew he wanted to be a counselor ever since he was 17 and he never looked back. And I knew a couple people in my life that were just so solid in what they were doing. They're like, oh, I've been a teacher and I love it. Or oh, I'm called to women's ministry and I've you know, been there for 30 years. And um, I just kind of felt childish and kind of isolated. Like, why am I struggling with this sense of restlessness? And so I had read all the self-help books. And I really prayed to the Lord, like, well, let me give you context. So <clears throat> for work, my husband and I own a counseling practice. But what I did on the side other than raising our children, of course, was 
I had a blog and I was doing some licensing work with brands. And I felt like the Lord was telling me to stop the digital stuff. And I had been doing that since 2015, and it had just started making money, to be honest. And so I was really excited because I got to be a creative and get paid, and it was really cool, and it aligned with my gifts. And so I kind of felt angry that the Lord took that away, and especially when it was successful. And so um, I spent a good year and a half praying to God, just desperate prayers like, you know, I'm kind of mad. You gave me this vision in 2015. I've worked very hard at it. I've obeyed you. It's honorable work, and there's real people at the other end of that. So why are you calling me to stop? And so one day he truly answered my <laughs> little pity party, and he just said, glasses off, how to see God when your vision is blurred. And it was a, it was inaudible, of course. It was just an impression. And it felt so clearly like a book title, but I was not an author at the time. And so I went to Amazon and typed it in to try to buy this book. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't there and because it didn't exist. And so all the recommended ones on the side of Amazon were like all about physical eyesight. And so I totally catastrophized. And I was like, oh my gosh, how to see God when your vision is blurred. He's going to blur my vision. He's going to take my vision away. I need to read books about optometry so I can prepare myself and tell my children I'm going blind. And it was just so, it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but it was just so innocent. And um, so I tried to be obedient in that. And then he made it clear, you know, through prayer and things that it wasn't that serious. It wasn't a health thing. It was just, he wanted me to write a book with that title. And so I grabbed my laptop and I went upstairs to the girls' playroom, which I have a home office, but I went up to the playroom. And there's it's kind of just a beautiful scene there. You can look out the window and you can see sort of the rooftops of the neighboring houses and the landscape and everything. And it was very inspiring. So I opened my laptop and I thought, okay, he wants me to write. So I started to write the way I thought an author should sound. So I was like peering through the fog of the second floor window. <laughs> you know, it was going to be like a fiction book. And um, and so I was like, what am I doing? I need to just write what I know and be honest and write like me. So what I knew was that I had two businesses. One of them God had taken away. And I had never had my sense of purpose to answer your question. And I'd always been interested in that, always lo- always loved to talk about that. And I, I never experienced it for myself. And so in real time, he was writing the blueprint professionally and personally for me so that by the time I was done with it and I was on the other side, I could release it for, you know, the woman that was out there like me, which is... um. You know, either A, you don't feel special enough to even look for a unique vision, or B, you have that inkling, like, I know I'm not lazy, I know I have something to offer, but I don't really quite know what God wants me to do. So that's who it's for. Yeah, it's funny that the Lord 
you thought he was giving you a prophetic word, but he was basically giving you a prophetic work. Like, that's what I was hearing when you were talking. Like, God's like, no, I'm not going to blind you. Like, these are prophetic words. Like, I'm actually giving you a work. Um, That's very cool. So I'm curious. You said you and your husband own a counseling practice together. So are you a therapist and you also counsel and he counsels? No. So he is a wonderful therapist, but he was working many hours a week. And I just said, I'm going to take your business and I'm going to multiply it and we're going to do this together and I'm going to hire therapists and we're going to give some of these people to you so that you can, you know, it's not good in a mental health industry to work as many hours as he was. So, um, and I like owning a business. I like being an entrepreneur. So yeah, I just kind of, I do all that that, stuff. And you were doing the, um, the other business, neither felt like your thing. Like you were doing things and you were working hard, but you were you struggling with the discontentment of like, these just don't, like I'm trying them on for a size, but they don't feel like they fit? The blogging felt like it fit, but even that was something that, you know, I saw it out in other people. So I asked my parents, I asked my sister, my sister-in-law, and my brother, you know, what What do you guys think I should do? I have this college degree. You know, I, I was, I, I got, I took the job that I was offered out of school, like most of us do. We're just fortunate to have a job. So I took a job in IT. I worked in marketing and IT. And, but I asked them, like, when I leave here, like, I don't know, I, you know, what do you see me doing? And that's not bad. But my sister-in-law was like, have you ever thought of starting a fashion blog? Because I would follow you for your style. And even that was like something she suggested. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, great idea. Um, And so I never really felt like God himself had given me something as far as um, to pursue that was career-focused. And luckily, the Lord really broke that apart for me and was like, calling is not a career. It is the where on earth you can live out the why. And the why is to showcase my love. It can be in the nursing home. It can be, you know, it was not, i had always thought it was industry-based. Like, well, if I'm called to be a writer, if I'm called to be a teacher, if I'm called to be a mother. But he was just so clearly like, it's fluid. It is the where to the why. I love that. I love the where to the why. That's very cool. So you're in your house. You're looking out the window. You start writing. You know, I'm gazing at the beautiful fields. Um, what happened after that? You were leaning into this work. God gave you this idea. And tell us kind of the process and and where it ended up with these words that the Lord gave you. I entered a writing competition um, because I wanted to take it seriously and try my best. And so Lisa Turkhurst had a competition, and there was a hundred of us that got in. And so there were 10 groups of 10. So we had other nine other writers and then a coach. And it was a very intensive boot camp that we went through. And um, the 
one of the things that stuck out to me was I needed to figure out a word that encompassed the whole book. And I'm really good at elaborating and I'm, I'm good with concise language, but I was so deep into it that I was like, I need to ask, I'm like, what do you think that the word is? And I asked my husband because he had read my writing and he had not heard the vision that God shared with me. I didn't share with him glasses off how to see God when your vision is blurred because it's kind of strange. You know, I wouldn't have called my book that. And so I asked my husband, what do you think the book is about? And he said vision. And so he confirmed what the Lord had said as well. And so from there, I really knew, I was like, okay, I'm walking in this assignment that he has for me. Um, so I finished the competition and I just established a writing routine. I said, from this time of day to this time of day, every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, I'm going to write. I gave myself short-term, mid-term, long-term. I gave myself incentives. And then now it's here, you know, Yay. so... Were you about to show it to me? I got so excited. <laughs> that's that's so cool. What did it feel like to hold your book? I get excited for this day for myself. I want to know what it's like. I felt great. Yeah, that's very cool. Most of us desire to do amazing things with our lives, but we often doubt that we can. We let our weaknesses boss around our strengths and our insecurities drown out our gifting. But what if God could use exactly what we've got to pull off something big? Our book titled Yes You is a beautifully designed, full-color, 12-part Bible study where we center around the passage in John 6 where Jesus fed 5,000 people with one boy's lunch. As you engage scripture, read personal stories, and reflect on questions that invite you to new places, you'll be challenged, encouraged, and inspired. We can't wait for you to dive into this study, so go to wecollide.net slash store to get your copy of Yes You now. Well, let's talk about this passion you have for people to discover God's vision for their life. In the book, you talk about the lens of insecurity and taking it off. Can you describe kind of some sort of examples of insecurities that women often have, and then how do we take those off? I was insecure because of the fact that I was trying to grasp God's will, and I felt like everyone else already had. That was my biggest insecurity. And um, I finally was just like, okay, in First Thessalonians 5, God gives me the will of God, and it is to rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances. That is the perfect will of God. And I can cling on to that. And then as far as the um, insecurity with the purpose, the calling, and the vision, I just asked the Lord to—I said, these are such lofty concepts, and I really need your help with making them super— digestible for me so that I can be practical with them because I kind of felt alone, like I mentioned earlier, when you're talking about insecurities, I just kind of felt like, why is no one else as bothered about how massive these concepts are and how much we have to offer, but that the Lord is sort of vague? You know, does it bother anybody else? And so, and 
I finally realized that maybe I wasn't childish. Maybe the Lord was just using me in a different way than my friends. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to pay attention to that. I'm going to use this time instead of being insecure. I'm going to use it as my opportunity for growth. And I just channeled um, my security in Him totally. And I really set out on a mission to like figure out what those words, purpose, calling, and vision meant on a granular level. And that that built my confidence because I was able to figure out, okay, the Lord did make me on purpose. It wasn't just some fluffy stuff I've heard. And He is giving me the confidence in who I can serve. And, you know, it's not about me, it's about Him. So I thought it was really cool. So when you think about women reading your book who are struggling with insecurities and how to take those insecurities off, what's your best advice for them? My best advice would be provide value. Shift the focus from yourself to service. As soon as, like if like right now we're on an interview and I could say, this is an interview and I'm really nervous how I'm going to be perceived. They could make fun of me. They could not resonate. They could turn it off. Instead, my goal is to provide value to your listener. And so it's all about them instead of making it about me. And, you know, that's hard for all of us to, mm-hmm. We ha- I constantly have to reframe that. Like my business, instead of saying, how can I make it more successful? I could say, how could we actually serve more people in our area. And those are different things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's kind of interesting but because I think women who are in a place where they're like, man, what is God's calling in my life? I don't really feel like I have any vision. We can always serve people no matter no matter what what place we're in in life. And so I love that you're saying, like, turn the shift outwards on how can I serve people around me. That's so good. You teach that God's a visionary, and it's important for us to find clarity and purpose from Him. I think for some people that can sound super woohoo, like, what does that mean? And they don't really know where to start. So can you give us some advice on how we tap into God's vision for our lives? Yeah, and I was there. I was definitely cynical. I had read every single book, and I was like, it's still not happening for me. Um, The biggest, most important thing that changed was when I was like, okay, I'm going to let go of reading the Bible as a time for me to have my coffee and like my warm, fuzzy moment under my blanket to... I'm just going to discover who God is. When I started to make it about Him, um, everything changed. And I I wanted to read the Bible the whole way through, but I you know, inevitably slipped up and I would miss a day here and there and I would shame myself. And there's just a lot of negative self-talk. So I decided I'm going to just make a little exercise. And for 60 days, I'm going to commit to dating the Lord. And I'm going to call it my daily date with God. And any time during the day that may look like a typical date, like lighting a candle, having a tea, reading the Bible for an hour. But other days it may be leaving my phone at home and going on a walk, you know, without the dog, without the children, just 
going around the neighborhood with my eyes open and seeing something for the first time and saying, you know, you're so big. Thank you for making that. It's a beautiful tree. And it sounds kind of silly, but if you can establish your daily date with God where you meet with Him, um, even if it's midnight and you're like, oh, I haven't done that today, do it then. Every single day to show up in some way. I do believe that He will give you a revelation that is different than what we would have envisioned in our lives. Because I never would have named, I never would have written a book, first of all. I would never have presumed to be an author. And second of all, I never would have um, written a book with glasses on the title and done the glasses picture. But when I stopped seeking out His will and trying to figure out what I should do, and I just started being with Him because I wanted to be with Him, then it was so ironic because he gave me stuff to do. Mm-hmm. So it's that's my first advice. Like when you rewind back the years before you got this vision, though, do you think you hadn't gotten it earlier because you didn't do those things to get it? Or do you think that there was something about the fact that God wanted to unfold and reveal this vision to you in this timing, like that he was shaping you or refining you or readying you, and he gave it to you when— he wanted to give it to you. I definitely think his timing is sovereign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think both because he did give me the vision in 2015. When I followed my sister-in-law's advice to do the fashion blog about a year into it, I said, I just kind of felt like the Lord was like, okay, now that you have an audience, I want you to talk about me. And that was sort of the vision then. And then, you know, I believe that he gives us lots of different assignments, big, small, in between. Yeah. I think as women, though, we hit these seasons where we're so discontent with the current assignment, and we're like, <laughs> oh, give me the dream assignment or the big assignment or the thing. The, like, we think, like, there's, like, the one thing I'm supposed to do. And so we look at other women, and we see that they seem like they got the big assignment, the big calling, the thing. And we're like, oh, man, I'm over here. But there's something about those years, too, where the years before this readied you for this new assignment, right? And so there, there's something purposeful happening even when we don't see it. Totally. Yeah. When I was younger, I went to a camp, and I write about it in my book in the introduction, but Basically, before I went, I think I was 14. I was a freshman. And my mom said, you know, take pictures, have a good time. And I came back with all these pictures of other people. And my mom goes, why do I, why would I want these pictures of strangers? Sierra, where are the pictures of you and your friends at camp? And I was like, oh, I didn't know you wanted pictures of me. You already know my story. I thought you wanted something cool, you know? And so what I had done was I had at camp interviewed all of these random people from other states that were there. And I'd ask them all these questions. And I'd ask, you know, how did you meet? And all these couples and things. And I'd gotten their picture. And and I, I say that because I was creating. And so when I was in my early 20s, I created a t-shirt line. And I've created human beings, and I'm creating a home in our house, and I've 
I created imagery and writing for my blog, and now I'm creating books. And so the calling for me is creating for Christ. And then all these different assignments are under that umbrella. And it took me a long time to to find that invisible thread. And so like for my husband, I said he always knew he was supposed to be a counselor, but his word that God gave him was people. So the calling was people. So if he decides, if we say, you know what, the counseling practice Um, We're going to let Elsa own this practice, and we're going to move on to something else. He could be a professor, or he could be a nutritionist, and he's still going to have his calling because the people is the calling. Mm -hmm. And for me, the creating for him is the calling. Mm -hmm. So that was really helpful. Yeah, because you're separating the what versus the why. Like, what is, like, what's the why? Because if you know the why, you can do it in many different ways. Which is super helpful because we go through so many different seasons in life. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And we always do what's natural to us. You know, like I have a friend who has an amazing gift of hospitality and she would never, you know, I don't, I mean, I can can serve people, but it doesn't come naturally. I have to research and think and she just does it like that. Mm -hmm. And she would show up during my writing season at my door with my coffee order or a flower and not talk to me and get in her car and I get teary-eyed because she was using her one gift to serve one person and didn't tell anybody about it, but it impacted my writing. And so that came natural to her. And so I think if we just do what's natural to us, you know, we can always serve somebody, which is the point. Well, and we need each other. Our different giftings, actually, your gifting ministers to so many people, and so does hers. And you need her, and she needs you, and that's a beautiful story. You teach seven practical steps to embrace goals, God's vision, not goals, to embrace God's vision. Do you want to share some of those? You might not want to out all of them, but are there a few that you want to share? Sure. Let me get my book. Yeah, I think it's chapter eight, and I wrote this for just the most practical of practical steps I could possibly pour into. So the first step is to recognize the vision, and I talk a lot about how to do that with my sense of urgency chart and all the different things in the book. Um, And then the second is to confirm that the vision is from God. And I think this is actually one of the most important steps because if you skip from, okay, I think I have a vision from the Lord to externalizing it with your girlfriend, I think you could manipulate the vision into what you want it to look like instead of praying for confirmation and not telling anyone about it. And then when you get the confirmation then you can move on to the third step, which is involving others. Like earlier I said, I didn't tell my husband even about the impression. I just Mm -hmm. kept it between God and I because I wanted to make sure it was from Him and not my own thought. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after you involve others, which is basically, you know, grabbing your, your pastor, your counselor, people that can help you, people who've been on the road before you, Um, Then the fourth step is to dream and design the vision, and I call that my Mary Poppins step, which is basically, if you're totally limitless, what would you do, and how would you do the vision? And you write it all down, and it kind of disarms your 
logical, safe brain. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth step is to plan and put in the work. So if the fourth step is the Mary Poppins, this one is the pursuit of happiness step. Will Smith, he just has a Rubik's Cube. He gets in the cab with the guy and he he has a dream, but he uses the resources available to him. So, you know, if you're five foot one and you want to play in the WNBA, it's probably not going to happen, but you can go down to the gym and you can sign up and find a team. And if you hadn't have put the WNBA down, you may not have even known you wanted to play basketball anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, what step was that? Oh, okay. So then the sixth step, update the plan as needed. This one is just, it's, I, I believe it's kind of a test. You know, what it, if you thought this dream was going to happen in five years and it doesn't, what do you do then? And then the last step is pursue the vision at all costs until God decides it's over. I love all of these. And I want to rewind back to the Mary Poppins one because we have a very hard time, like, free dreaming because we already want to think about all the ways we're held back, all the ways we're limited, all the ways we don't have these resources or this education or I'm not this or I'm not that. And I love that you're kind of giving women like a, hey, if you could do anything and your dream could be anything you want it to be, what would you do? I love that so much. Yeah, me too. It's fun. (laughs) It is fun. And I would, I would also go in detail too. Like if you think the vision is, well, I'm, I feel like God wants me to be a teacher. And I use teacher a lot because my mom is a teacher. My mother-in-law is a teacher. My oldest daughter wants to be a teacher. One of my friends is a teacher. And so if you were doing the Mary Poppins step, you could write down, what am I outside or inside? Are the children running around? Are they, do they have special needs? What am I wearing? What does my classroom look like? Mm. Um, what age am I, you know, what are they, just anything, any details that you wouldn't normally allow yourself to go there because it, you know, it could not come true and that's painful. So that's a fun step. It is painful, but it's also the beginning of you becoming really aware about the things you're passionate about, about the things you hope for. And you can never really get to the place of like feeling like you're living out what you mo- I mean, we have one life, man. Like it's <laughs> now or never, baby. Like yeah. we got to do the thing. And I think if you don't lean into like, what would you even begin to want it to look like? You're never going to get there. There. So I love that you're just like, let's Mary Poppins this. That's so cool. <laughs> um, how much of comparison with other women's callings mess with our own? I don't I don't struggle with that personally. And I think a lot of people struggle with I don't I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, I struggle a lot with the expectation of who I'm supposed to be versus like who my friends are or other people um, out in the world that I don't know. I, and I think a lot of women actually cheerlead each other more than I think society wants us to, you know, I think we're always 
supposed to be competitive. And I just don't see that in my circle. You know, I see a lot of kind, amazing, flourishing women. And yes, we all have insecurities, but when we get together, it's usually about yourselves. It's not focused out there, you know, like the the version of us that we want to be almost intimidates who we are versus, you know, that girl over there that has it all together for me. Yeah. I mean, I find both, especially with all the work we do with women, there's people struggle with comparison so much. And I think because we're constantly bombarded in social media with all these influencers and celebrities and this person and that person, and you're just constantly seeing people sort of reflecting back to you what it looks like, quote unquote, to be successful or whatever. So I think that's a huge struggle. But it is interesting that you mentioned like one of the most intimidating images reflected back to us is the one that we hope to be. Yeah, I think we always want to be better and improve. And if we're not careful, it can turn into unhealthy perfectionism. You know, I can take it I can take something frivolous and make, and it feels like life or death to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if any of your listeners are, you know, neurosurgeon, but if you are actually dealing with life or death, or if you're a first responder or something, then the Lord has equipped you with that. For me, I'm a writer. No one's going to read my book and fall over dead because they didn't like the way I wrote. <laughs> and so, um, the Lord has equipped me for other things. And so, I, yeah, I think I think as soon as I started to really have a date with God and my insecurity became my security in Him, I started to kind of let go of the comparison with other people because I'm like, wow, we really are all beautiful. We really are all different. And the things I didn't like about myself, I can use going forward. When you think about women listening who long to discover their calling and God's vision for their life, and they just feel really stuck in that process, what's your advice to them today on how they can get unstuck? I would say do not feel childish. Maybe the Lord is prompting you for something and to pay attention to it and use it as an opportunity for growth. I would say make a sense of urgency chart like I talked about earlier, which is write down your master list of goals and dreams and secret things that you may never tell anybody. And out on the side of the margins, write, you know, from one to 10, the sense of urgency you feel toward completing that and executing it. If you had very little time left, which one would you prioritize? I would say, when the Lord speaks to you, for me at least, it's usually strange. It's not something I would have easily logically come up with. It's usually like, what did he just say? Um, and so for me, writing a book, writing the book would have been, you know, a 10. I had, I have lots of ideas. Some of them are really bad and some of them are okay, but <laughs> those, you know, other ideas would have been a two or five or something. And then I would say also to pay attention to something that never fully leaves you, because if it aligns with scripture, you feel really urgent about it. It's the one you'd prioritize and it never leaves you. It might actually be from the Lord. 
And I would say if you mess up and like you follow something that it wasn't the perfect goal for that season or whatever, and you you weren't doing the right choice or whatever, that the Bible says commit to the Lord your work and He will establish the plan. So if you have a pure heart, He will use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. I love that part too about if it never leaves you. I I think that's really interesting. I think as women, we can pay attention to that and bring that to the Lord. Like, man, this idea I have or this passion I have never leaves me. It keeps coming back and almost haunting me. What do you want me to do with it? I think that's so good. Well, Sierra, I know that we could talk so much longer, but the question I have for you before we come to a close is, you've come out with this book, you feel like you have your why, and you have a calling and a purpose, and you're helping give other people a sense of purpose and vision. And my question is, when you're married, Poppy, pop, like pulling a Mary Poppins on yourself right now. What are some of the big dreams that you're thinking about doing next that you feel like you can share? Um, writing a children's book. Cool. Very yeah. cool. That's what I'm excited about next. That's awesome. I love it. Well, I look forward to checking that out and talking to you about that when it comes out. I know there's <laughs> going to be women who want to grab your book so that they can read more about the seven practical steps to embrace God's vision, do the vision diagram you have in there, the sense of urgency exercise. You have so many things in there. How can they get a copy? Um, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, wherever you shop. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sierra, for hanging out. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Friends, so glad you hung out with me today. And I have to stop and just ask you, is there an idea or a passion or an inkling, or a gut feeling that keeps coming back to you over and over and over again, and you can't quite shake it. I know I have one. I'm working on it. And I know that it's been nagging me for years and years and years, and I have to do something about it. Is there something that is just nagging at you, and you have to do something about it. What if that's God? What if He's asking you to take a risk, to jump, to lean in and see what He could possibly do through that idea, through that dream? I hope that you will take one step this week towards that vision or idea. If you need encouragement in this area and want to do one of our Bible study books that applies to this entire topic, I encourage you to go to our website at weeklide.net, and we have a Bible study I wrote called Go Ahead, and it's all about 
taking huge leaps of faith and believing that on the other side of the ordinary, there's extraordinary things waiting for you. Friend, I believe that with my whole heart. I've seen it to be true that when I actually trust Jesus and I jump out of my boat where the ordinary things are, I begin to experience the extraordinary. So I want to invite you to come along with me and this week, let's believe God for some amazing things. I hope you have a good week. Keep colliding, and we'll catch you next week.